Hello and welcome to the High Wide and Handsome podcast, episode 21, uh, featuring RC from Twitter. Um, it was a great episode, we talked about a lot of stuff, probably our most laddish one to date, yeah, has to be said. Um, yeah, I've kind of split up the questions in this one into three distinct parts, the first one's miscellaneous, and then we're going after that is just kind of the serious, actual questions, and then at the very end we delve into some Twitter drama and twittery questions as you know I know I know a lot of you really don't care about that so it'll save you having to skip through bits and getting bored off your tits um in terms of the swearing challenge I'd quickly round it up at the end the total for the the episode and the swearing challenge in general and yeah I hope you enjoy it go follow me on twitter go follow me everywhere do all that stuff instagram facebook um hwh podcast on most platforms and leave a review if you're an apple it will take you five seconds it will actually take you five seconds maybe ten please do it um other than that yeah have a great week and thank you for tuning in i really do appreciate it and now we're here with uh rc from twitter how are you yeah, I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for joining me. Your name, your real name's Ryan, so that's what I'll call you from here on out. Ryan, do you want to maybe talk to us a bit about maybe your time in the index or how long you've been on for people who maybe haven't heard of you or aren't on Twitter? Yeah, of course. Um, so I started back at the very beginning, really. So I'm a bit of a, an index dinosaur, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> so I was at uni at the time. Um, I think I was in either second or third year. You know, money was a bit tight. Um, mm. And I just remember like scrolling news articles one night, like the BBC Sport Gossip column and all that good stuff. And um clicked on a, I think it was a Daily Mirror article. And at the bottom of that was a kind of like a link to Football Index. Um, sort of thought, oh, that looks interesting. Clicked on that, had a little play around with it. And then I ended up putting, you know, like, as we all do, 20 quid in to start with or something like that. And, um, you know, back in back in those days, it was very primitive you know prices didn't move there was no instant sell um so that's how i first started out played around with it for a bit you know a few of my players went up a few p and i thought okay you know this is great so i put a bit more money in and then things just spiraled from there really mm. i think it, it takes a lot of balls at that stage you know to have trust to trust the product even whenever i joined only about a year ago yeah. i was so dubious and i think a lot of people still are yeah I, even with where it is today yeah i think that's what you know a lot of people kind of say oh you know you're on from the start what great opportunity and everything and yeah you're right in that respect it was but equally you know i didn't go heavy like some guys did but i know a few a few guys back then that you know kind of put thousands upon thousands into this thing and at the time it was you know, just a company basically registered in Jersey, um, didn't have an app, uh, didn't have any advertising and, you know, tech issues all over the place. And, you know, like you said, it took balls to kind of do that deposit, I think, at that time. Mm, yeah. Um, I think it's very easy for people to say like, oh, you're lucky. Whatever. You're really lucky you were on at the start. And, you know like god i wish i was around then but the reality of it is i know if i was around then there's not a mission i'd have put my money anywhere near it yeah yeah and i'm sure a lot of people with the same so fair play yeah I've got so many friends that kind of started back then and you know i said to them look i found this you know it's great i'm making this amount of money why don't you sign up you know a few of them put some money in lasted a week two weeks and then took it out and have never been back since 
so they're kicking themselves now you're looking yeah. at your portfolio yeah. what would your sort of main trading strategy be like how have you adapted over the course of i suppose from the very beginning when there wasn't even pb or ipd yeah um <clears throat> so the index is very different now really because back when i first started it was basically it was just media um so i mean you used to log on to the index at kind of like half 11 at night see who was top of media and then you'd log off and then you know come back and do the same thing the next day so that was kind of all it was so my strategy then was just buy the big media players so back then we're talking wayne rooney um neymar those kind of players um and you just used to basically just hold them <laughs> hold them <laughs> and collect the dividends and you didn't really have to do a lot else apart from that um yeah obviously since then the index has evolved massively with the introduction of performance dividends which is great in my opinion because it now means, you know, at three o'clock today when all the games kick off, we're all going to be on the index looking for the best performers, you know, looking what goals are going in. We're not just logging on at half 11 at night to see who's top of the media rankings because they've done something in the game. Mm, it's been well documented. Like, I don't think the index would have stood a hope if it wasn't for PB because I think that is, as everyone says, it's their USP, it's their main thing that they need to focus on. And they showed that with a recent dividend announcement. It's not like I'm shining light on something really hidden here, but I don't think they would have had a chance without PB. It's just, obviously they did have a chance because people were putting money in, but for me, like I would have zero interest in the sort of media side of it. Um, And I'd say a lot of people are similar to that. Yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, you only have to look at how big fantasy football is to see that, you know, how many customers or users can kind of be brought across from that. And I think a lot a lot of people that are interested in fantasy football can kind of apply that skill set or that knowledge to the index now. Yeah, I think it, it takes... The thing with the index is it does take quite a while to get your head around. Like, you can read the rules and you can talk to a few people or talk to your mate and you'll get an idea for it, but you'll miss out on small things. Yeah like different sort of i don't know trading like transfers you'll always miss out on something and you only really learn it from doing it so like what i find with a few people i've told to join is they kind of join and they ask me who to buy and then they don't have a clue what to do from there and they're kind of like geez i don't know whether to sell or not and they're they're on your case for maybe six months but then after that they kind of start to get it yeah it does take quite a while but i think people like that you know that you can improve and you can get better it would be awful boring if you just went in and you were like really good at trading or it was really gambling and just luck orientated yeah which i think is is why you know channels like yourself fig index gain you know all the other kind of big data providers or or content providers are massive because the actual onboarding process with fi is basically you know you sign up minimum deposit of 10 pound and then it's almost the way you go um and a lot of people don't even know that you know there's instant sell and market sell for example when you're first starting up you know no one really understands the media buzz rankings how does one story get 20 points how does another story get 120 points you know um all of these kind of nuances that you pick up with time i think on the index and and through other people's help like everyone who signs up does need some form of help in my opinion yeah and i know that i've ranted about this before i think very briefly and someone corrected me was it paul Corey? i'm not sure but i was sort of saying about how the index don't really do enough for beginners to learn the ropes but you know like they do have the academy and i haven't looked into it but i assume they go through a lot of stuff there but maybe they go through the actual functionality of the site more than they do the psychology and trading strategies 
Yeah, I think even something as simple as, you know, when you go to instance other player, it should almost have one of those kind of tick boxes that comes up, maybe only the first couple of times you do it and it says, do you, do you want to display this message again? And you can click no, but it says, mm. you're about to instant sell for this price. Are you aware that you could market sell for this price instead? Um, I just think a little, you know, little things like that may may help initial understanding, I think, of picking picking little things up. Yeah, and I think the thing there is that obviously football index love the islands and sell. But yeah. I mean, in terms of long term money and long term engagement from a customer, um helping them out at the start's obviously a positive. Yeah, definitely. Ultimately, you know, if you sign up and make a bit of money within your first first couple of weeks or so, it's probably gonna lead you to putting more in if you've got if you've got that kind of at your disposal, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Tell me this, Ryan. Can you hear the ice cream van? I can. Yeah, I was wondering what that was. Jesus. I mean, fucking Christ. In November. This man <laughs> in November. Like, do you know what I mean? I, I cursed there, so I don't know if you, I'll tell you about the charity thing in a second here. But if Trading Bears listen, I love that. We get to, we always get interrupted by the ice cream man, and I've said it before. And I'll say it again. The man is off his nut. He's out here in November. It's like four degrees outside. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm honestly convinced that our Luigi is laundering money. There's no other reason not, for him to be here. Exactly. Um, but um, yeah, you're not going to go out and take it. No, I'm not going out to him. I'm all cosy here. Um, there's a quid into the, the charity swearing pool, which I'll just very quickly run through just for people listening. Um, anytime I swear, me and how many other people? Blues Brother, Tom Molyneux, Clive Survivor, and there's Anonymous Donor putting up a quid as well. So that's a fiver every time I swear to charity at the end of the year. There's Barry Dardis is in every week for a quid too from this date forward. There's an anonymous person giving a quid for every F word. And Ross F.I. owes eight quid for his episode. And uh, F.I. Gardner says he owes me two quid for foul language in a tweet. And it's for charity, so I'm going to chase him up on it. He thought it was, he, th- he probably said it as a passing comment. <laughs> I'll hold him to it. But um, yeah, so if you want to get involved, hit me up. Um, how happy were you with the dividend announcement and AC statement in general? Have you any major thoughts on it? Now, I know this is old news at this stage, but is there anything that jumped out to you that you'd like to talk about? Um, I think just I wasn't expecting a dividend increase at that point. Um, so from my point of view, I was kind of like happy with with the market itself at the time. Um, any increase on that was, for me, just good news. Um, and it was actually more than I thought it would be what was it 57 percent? i think across the board increase um, yeah so yeah from my point of view massively positive news i think it kind of puts the focus at least in the short term back on performance and dividends which i think is good in most respects because you know it's more intrinsic value to players um but equally i can understand that there's limited money within the market so if you increase kind of the the value of some players through an increased metric then money's going to flow out of other players and into those players which is going to lead to some people being unhappy and I can get that but across the board it's increased by 57% which you know means really that the whole market is now undervalued as to what it was before that announcement so I think in time money will flow back you know across across the market even into some of the ones that have dropped and prices will end up higher than what they are or have been. Yeah, 
I agree. And do you think, because there are quite a lot of people who are pretty upset at the timing of it and they felt they built their portfolios for a different type of trading and then, or a different type of hold maybe. Mm. And then these PB players, especially the premium ones, got a massive boost and they felt like they'd missed out sort of an opportunity cost and whatever. Yeah. Do you sympathize with them? I do, yeah. Um, to be honest, my my portfolio at the moment isn't built towards those players or wasn't built towards those players when the announcement came out. I was kind of riding the almost like the hype index really of just picking a young kind of player and then going on comparative value and hoping that other people saw that comparative value and put money in um yeah i i knew that that wasn't going to last forever so that was kind of kind of my own fault for not adapting i guess yeah i think the thing with it the dividend announcement was like we all had time but i think if you'd the hard thing about it is if you've properly built your portfolio for youth or for something else and then they announce like on the sly kind of Ooh, we're going to look at dividends in a month's time at that stage as soon as they say that it's very hard for you to offload all those holdings without taking an instant yeah, sell and losing yeah. it um so it's easy for me to say and i've said it kind of before like look you'd lose of time everyone's playing the same game you could easily just adapt and change and that's fine, but obviously people would be very reluctant to do that. Um, and then after it's mentioned that it's actually 57% more than most of us thought it would be, you're going to be kicking yourself and feel a bit hard done by. So I do I do sympathize with people who were caught in that yeah, boat. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think the important message is it's probably you know a bit of short-term pain for long-term gain in effect. Um, mm. In terms of you might, you know, have dropped a little bit now. But there are opportunities, even, I mean, even if you hold the same players that have now dropped in six months' time, arguably they're probably going to be higher than what they are now. And I mean, I say that on the basis of the index is quite brilliant in the fact that, you know, no one, no user could deposit for the next six months. And the market cap would probably increase by £2 million just because of the dividend payouts, which are pretty much all reinvested anyway. So, you know, in, in terms of market cap, I think, it's what uh, eighty-one million pound or something at the moment, and I've got that from you know one of the Twitter users, FI Market Cap, who's well worth a follow if you're on that platform. Yeah, definitely. I actually love the way uh, like Tweetsy puts certain stuff and mentions. He's the one who does like certain players' dividend payouts in certain days and yeah, things. Yeah, how it? much money's gone into certain players and being withdrawn from others. Yeah, he's yeah. well worth a follow. Really good content. Yeah, no, I actually will move on very quickly to this because I kind of did a little bit of my own FI sort of market cap research. Yeah. Very poorly. He's probably who I should have contacted about it. Around Benzema Gate. Yes. Now, I had kind of prepared all this because I was on a train before they put out the statement basically saying they're going to pay out Benzema, which is well done, lads. But I suppose we talk about it a wee bit anyway. I'll talk about it as if I hadn't seen their statement. Okay, yeah. Because I kind of prepared a wee bit about that. So you're going to go in. And what I did was, sorry? You're going to go in on them then? I'm not going to go in too hard because I do think they've done well, right? But I'm going to say what I'd kind of prepared and then I'm going to tell you what I would change about it now. So maybe I'm being a bit too savage on Football Index, right? But like I th- initially I'd thought they obviously should have paid out both in that sort of situation. Mm-hmm. And for people who are listening who maybe missed the boat, Benzema shot like a 315 uh, PB score, which was actually 252 in real money if you take off the European champ, uh, competition multiplier. 
And then he got robbed of his win by Rodrigo, who was wrongly cast as a midfielder for the game, and he got a 4-1-3, which was actually 3-30 in real money, which is a ludicrous score. And basically, Rodrigo at the end of the match was reclassed as a forward, which he should have been. There was an issue with Tech, and he was put as a mid. He should have been a forward. They put him up, gave him the forward. Benzema lost the forward payout, and I think, was it Lo Celso ended up getting it in midfield instead of Rodrigo or something? It was, yeah. Yeah. So... Basically stole four paid divs from Benzema. Benzema owners obviously weren't happy. So what I did was I sort of looked. He, he was at 128 when I did this, right? And I kind of worked it off him going to zero pence, which wouldn't happen because realistically he'd go down to his IPO price, wouldn't he? And then it would be um, an instant sell option of zero. Let's say he retired um, or everyone sold him and got rid of him. But just for argument's sake, what I did was I took him at 128, did 128 times 900 which would be how many shares there could be in him, but there aren't because we know he IPOs higher than zero pence. Stop me if I'm being really confusing here, Ryan, to everyone listening. No, no. So like based off that, the absolute maximum, if he went to zero, which he wouldn't, but I'm going to stop saying that, would be 115,000 shares, futures. Multiply that by four pence, and the absolute maximum, which wouldn't happen, the real figure is probably 10 or 30% less, something like that, if I would have had to pay out in Benzema's forward divs, it would have been like four and a half grand. So, basically, by not paying out Benzema on the Tuesday night, it was Tuesday night or Wednesday night, if I were saving four and a half grand. Okay? So I was going to say, lads, just play the four and a half grand, don't be idiots. Which they've done, which is great. But devil's advocate and all, they've done amazing. I really do rate that they're paying out both. But why did it take them so long? Four and a half grand. For all that bad marketing and publicity over Twitter, over everywhere, word of mouth, for what, three or four days? Like, surely that could have been decided very, very quickly. No? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, like you say, it was what the announced, was it made the next day? I think on, they made it, yeah. Oh, well, if it was made the next day, I'm a fool. But I only seen it, I only seen it yesterday. But it was which was Friday, and that was at least on Wednesday when yeah. Madrid played. It might have been yeah. Tuesday. Uh, like you said, I think they could have you know, done it on the on the night, really. Um, like you said, in comparison to the market cap, the amount of money is insignificant, um, and the effect it probably had on kind of people's perceptions of the index that held Benzema probably wasn't worth the four and a half grand payout, negatively, I think. Um but like you said, I mean, at least they rectified it and those people that hold Benzema are probably pretty happy about that. I don't think there's any negative connotations to them paying it out. No, you can't You can't be negative about it, really. It is a great thing. I'm just kind of quite... I'm, like, I'm trying to delve into it a bit more than just saying, well done, FI, and I'm kind of looking at it like, right, did they do it as well as they could? No, I, I definitely done it earlier, for sure. Um, I looked there, Madrid played on Wednesday, so really it only took them two days, which isn't a lot of time, but considering it took me about four minutes of calculations to work out that the absolute maximum they would have been out was four and a half grand, probably closer to three and a half or four. Surely Big AC, sitting in his office, would have got wind of this shitstorm and could have very easily been like, look, just pay them, lads. (laughs) But then again, maybe their tech isn't even strong enough to support doing that without having to do it manually and getting some special guy to do it. Yeah. I don't know, Ryan. Um, but bottom line is, well done, FI. Aside from my negativity, <laughs> um, 
let's just hope it doesn't happen again and they get that kind of position. Yeah, I mean, I think sympathy in that is probably what an external data provider that probably caused the issue in the first place. Yeah. So it's it's probably not directly their fault, but ultimately that you know they're responsible for the data that they use and implement. So you know the buck does stop with them, really. Yeah, I do think it's hard. It's hard for them. There's a lot of things they get a lot of bad press about, and there's very little they can do, such as like you know these kind of beat the bookies, pump and dump things. It's very hard for them to legislate against that until it's happened. Yeah, um, ultimately they're very good because well. I think they're now in a bit of a catch-22 situation because whenever anything bad happens, they seem to get a lot of heat and a lot of complaints. And I think they've always just kind of bent and paid out on those complaints. I don't think I've ever seen them go, you know what? No, we're not paying out. You know, that's that kind of thing. They just, when the pressure gets enough, they they kind of retract, make a statement or whatever, and then and then compensate for it. So I think people know that if they stomp their feet loud enough, then uh, then they get the payments, really. Yeah. FI are probably playing the game there, though, in terms of onboarding new users, keeping everyone they have, keeping everyone happy. And once they get yeah. to a certain size of a company, that they can very easily just turn around, tell people to go away, and they'll get... Like, it won't really affect them. Yeah. I mean, they're totally different to, you know, like standard bookies. I mean, if you took that kind of issue to a to a standard bookie you would just get you know no response would you really you just kind of get shut down you probably get um, read the small print yeah yeah exactly um which is not what fir and that's probably one of their main their main good points i'd say really is that they do they do listen to the customers and they do try and keep everyone happy i think yeah they do generally do very well and i think do you know what in the at the very core of it the, the very at the very core of the matter They've done well here. I think it's just me, maybe from a biased kind of, or maybe historical bias. I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. Based on me and my gripes with their customer service and their like comms sort of team and the amount of mm. bad comms that have been out there and delayed announcements and delayed statements, it's just kind of building up and building up to a point now where they, they can do very little wrong and I can still try and find a hole because of what they've done historically. But like, yeah, I do get it. Like 48 hours isn't all that bad really Um, to correct this sort of thing. Yeah, it was a pretty easy issue to, to work out, identify and then probably to rectify. So could it have been done quicker than that? Probably yes. Yeah. But then you never know what boys are on annual leave and who's off at a wedding and yeah, it's not that huge a multinational big big company yet where you know one of the staff getting married won't affect things like that i don't know i'm just really trying to think of things that could legislate for a 48 hour delay and something like that but anyway uh, enough about negativity i think they did well yeah for sure we move on anyway i think with so many questions it would be a shame not to try and get through as many as we can because there's a lot of good interest and talking points there anyway i could sit and bend your ear off and ask you a load of questions that no one cares about but we may as well get into ones people do care about. We're, what I've decided to do this week for people listening is I'm breaking the, the questions, I suppose, into three topics. We're going to do sort of off-topic ones that are a bit of banter. Then we'll do like the core of the good questions and podcast. And then at the end, I'm going to group the Twitter kind of related ones together because there's a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who really don't care about Twitter. So i let you know when we're on to those questions and you can either stop listening or just listen. Um, but first off, Football Index Mole. To RC, you've matched the love of your life on Tinder, 
I'm talking a solid 7 out of 10. Shars Daily, stepdaddy issues, non-vegan tolerable type. She's coming round with the money that you've made from... <laughs> sorry. She's coming round, and with the money that you've made from your incredible match attack trading skills, what do you cook <laughs> up for dinner? Now, he's only given you four options, but I'm going to let you answer whatever you would cook. But first off, pick one of these. Turkey dinosaurs, potato smiley faces, fish fingers. He puts in brackets the food. And then alphabetic <laughs> alphabetic spaghetti. Right, okay. Um, who, who is this mole is the first question I think I want to know. Um, <laughs> I'd probably go, I think you've got to go potato smileys, haven't you? Potato smileys, it all depends what you're into, mate. I'm actually, believe it or not, people don't know this, I am a vegetarian, so I'd probably go potato smiley faces. I would not have had you down as a vegetarian. Lad, I ate, honestly now, I ate about four chickens a day for 25, 26 years. And about six wow. months ago, I went vegetarian. Um, just to, It was purely to try it out and see yeah. if I could do it. Because my sister's actually vegan. She is one of these vegans, right? And she, she's hell-bent on it. Um, I know she won't listen to this, even though she tells me she does. So, um, yeah, she's really annoying about it too. Mm. But we agreed we'd try vegetarian. And it's actually really easy. But I'm not going to get bogged down on that. If you had to actually cook something now that you have full choice, what's your like main meal you'd cook? What's, what's your signature dish? I mean, this is really going to places I didn't expect it to go to. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what it's, that's, what, that's what we do in this podcast. We bring you on a journey, you yeah, know? Um, sure. Well, I mean, we're out to impress, right? Yeah. So, this guy. I mean, she's a 7 out of 10, so you need to knock it out of the park, you know? Oh, only, only a 7 out of 10. You probably, it probably doesn't matter what you cook with a 7 out of 10. But yeah. anyway, we're getting a bit too laddish and crude, but you know where I'm going. <laughs> Fuck it, she's getting fajitas if she's a 7 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making fajitas tonight. My girlfriend's definitely better than a 7 out of 10, but um, <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. Anyway, so fajitas, is that what she's getting? Yeah, yeah, I think I'll go with that. You know, I don't really think you can go wrong. Yeah, no, fajitas are, fajitas are a winner. They're a winner in my eyes. Um Anyway, we'll move on from that, if people already haven't skipped it. Tom Mitchum, <laughs> is this the best thing that happened in Southampton this season? If I, if I pay for the tickets, will you come with me? And he posted two photos there. It's a Westlife con- concert next year <laughs> um, in Southampton. I mean, we beat Portsmouth away 4-0, so I'd say that was a pretty pretty good thing. But then you could argue that was in Portsmouth, not Southampton. So, I mean, we're going into... So Westlife probably are the best thing. I'd probably agree with that, yeah. I mean, if, if Tom wants to pay for tickets for everyone to go, then, then I'm there, Tom. <laughs> I said I'd go, like, 100%. And you know what? Here's a little side story digression. This this is this is what these questions are for. When I was about, do you know what? I'm coming. It's like I'm coming out in this episode. I've told you I went to a Westlife concert, and I'm told you I'm a vegetarian. I can imagine yeah. the backlash already. But when I was about 16, um, or maybe 15, the girls in my class at school, you know, being quite the womanizer, me and my womanizers, me and my mate, sort of two free tickets were going and we said, I will go. Went and had the best night of our lives. And by girls, you mean blokes, right? <laughs> yeah, we we went and we, um, yeah, we, we bought the t-shirts. We sang our hearts out to Queen of My Heart. Um, we drank two bottles of WKD on the way up in the bus, you know, had time of our lives. 10 out of 10, we'd recommend Westlife. <laughs> Something <laughs> Yeah something for everyone but um yeah you're not are you going with him i mean if he's paying then i'm there lads i really want this to happen tom go and buy two tickets will you that will go viral <laughs> um, next year tom you've got to come down as well 
Me? You said you go. <laughs> okay, look, I tell you what, we'll put this out there. If Tom buys three tickets, I'd fly over and go with you. What a weird encounter that would be, but do you know what? We, we'd make it happen. Um, <laughs> right. I'm a bit worried you will buy the tickets, you know. <laughs> so am I. And it's here, like, it's here that we will go, but um, no, I don't I don't think Tom has it in him. And they're, do you know what? Westlife are big. Like, they're probably like a 60 quid ticket minimum, probably closer to 80. Plenty of mums there, I'd imagine. Yeah. Maybe that's Tom's game, I don't know. Maybe that is what Tom's into. Could be. He seems like that type of guy, doesn't he? He does, he does. Do you know, just, yeah. just look at his photo. He looks like that type of guy. A milf hunter. But anyway, this is a this is the laddiest kind of podcast that's happened yet. I don't know how I feel about this going through the off-topic fun ones first. Um, it brings out the worst of me. But I'm just trying to find his photo now. You've said that. <laughs> I don't even know what he looks like. But now I'm going to feel really bad if he does look like a milf hunter. <laughs> yeah, Let me see that. He, he does look like a milf hunter. I wouldn't want to give him my mum's number, that's for sure. <laughs> Let me see. I'm looking him up here. Tom Mitchum. Tom, if you're listening, everyone go follow Tom. He, d- he deserves a follow for this. Yeah, do you know what? He's out there running, rocking the blue yeah. socks and blue shorts. I would dare say that's coordinated. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't think that's by chance. Looks like he might have waxed his legs, but... When you're a milf hunter, I guess you kind of do what you like. You do whatever the fuck you want. Sorry, I cursed, didn't I? Tom, you got one out of me. You got one out of me. There we go. Anyway, go and follow Tom Mitchum. He's a good lad. Um, we'll move on now to real questions, RC. Uh, and the first up is Dan Jackknife, who asks, what moment makes you give yourself a nipple cripple on FI? <laughs> I don't know what that even means, but yeah, go for it. Um, what gives me a nipple cripple on FI? I think it's people posting selective data or stats mm. that kind of wind up um like I, I don't have any problems with anyone saying like you know i've done this research this is the stat from a player i think they're good value fair enough like football subjective um even data is a bit subjective in terms of how you can interpret it so i don't really have a problem with that what i do have a problem with is they put it out and then someone comes with a kind of counter opinion or maybe shows that those stats aren't perhaps the full truth and um then you know they block them or or kind of throw a hissy fit about it i don't really you know that gives me a bit of a a nipple cripple i guess yeah that's really poor behavior i think yeah. you have a responsibility when you're posting stats to maybe and not, not everyone does it i know there's a bit of a character limit and i think that could be a lot to do with it on twitter but i mean there's no reason why in the thread you can't post here some negatives and when people do that i really rate it and generally interact more because i think they're looking for a fair representation of what the truth actually is they're not trying to pump a hold yeah and you know i've had a few discussions and stuff i don't think there's anything better than when someone posts an opinion or if you post one and then actually someone comes back on it and kind of questions what you've said or you question what they say and then you have a, like a, a bit of back and forth about it, mm. not in a kind of angry way or anything, but just kind of, you know, your point versus theirs. And you take a little bit of what, you know, they say on and they take a bit of what you say on. I kind of like that. Um, yeah. I think that's why Twitter is best, but you don't often get to see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a select few accounts that are good for that. And there's some that just throw the toys out of the pram. And I actually don't have anyone in my head in particular, but I'm sure other people who are listening have their, their arch nemesis on Twitter, who they've probably already blocked. But, I mean, there's nothing better than constructive conversation where, 
like, do you know what? Here's a really cheesy saying, but a friend of mine said it in a podcast he does recently. It was something like, the only thing, now there are many things in life better than this, but this is what he said. The only thing better than changing someone's mind is having your mind changed. How deep is that? Yeah, I like that. I like Very that philosophical, lot. but yeah, just bear that in mind, lads. The second part of Dan Jackknife's question is, as Rio Index mentioned, who we get on to, you sound like a top-class short-term trader. What would you class as short-term? Very simple question. What would you class as short-term? Three months, question mark? I think less than that. Um, I think on the index, actually, three months is a long time, in my opinion. I'd agree with that. Um, I don't think there's many of my holds that I've had for more than three months. Maybe a handful. No. Yeah, football just it changes constantly. I mean, media stories change. Um, performance change, fixture change. Uh, you know, team selection tactics. Everything changes. I mean, even like you saw the other night, I think, was it Celtic versus Lazio? I think Lazio were the favourites to go through in the Europa League. They got knocked out. That could change your, you, you know, you might have planned to hold one of those Lazio players for three months, four months, but they go out of the Champions League, so you get rid of them. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of a short-term hold on the index, to me, it's probably, you know, some trades I do a couple of days, a couple of hours, couple of weeks i'd class anything like that as short time really yeah i think with like ipd trading and fixture trading and stuff these days the short-term trading firmly is in that under a month bracket anyway um and definitely probably even under two weeks because a lot of people just buy someone two weeks in advance of a good fixture knowing that they'll rise especially if it's a single day but last week on the podcast um I was talking to Ross FI, um, a point he had, I want to see your, your topics on this, he was saying about how that maybe draw of single days might fade a little bit based on the weighting of the increases to the dividends, like treble days and double days have been upped by so much, where single days have only realistically got an extra penny, I think. Mm. Do you think that single days will still have that draw based on, I suppose you could say, like the sentiment of people who are trading it and the success they've had, or do you think people will actually change it based on the weighting of the dividends? I think that might have been maybe a strategy from FI on that because what you often see with single days is, you know, people that are clued up and do the research, which is fair enough, kind of pile into players' early doors and then, you know, they steadily rise up until the game and then even before the game, like the day before or on the day, those players just crash and burn. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people get their hands burnt on that, um, which potentially isn't great for customer engagement or retention. Um, especially for new users potentially who see those players trending and think, oh, you know, I'll jump on those. Um, so perhaps that's why. Um, but I, th- I still think it will always happen. Um, you know, but like you said, there's more of a focus on the double and treble days, I guess, now because of the increased increased payouts there. Yeah. Um, I think, like, the thing is, I suppose if you're a beginner and you've just set up a football index account, a few things that people might do if they don't really have friends on football index, like, cause what I got very lucky with, and I've said this many times in the podcast and people are getting bored already. Literally the first week I got football index, I think it was the first night I opened up flash scores, looked who was playing that night. Juventus were playing and I looked, I was like, Oh, I might buy Ronaldo. Ronaldo wasn't starting. Moise Keane was. And I said, like, right. who on earth is he? Went and looked into him. Just like literally two minutes on Google. Seen his age. Seen he was whatever Italian, exciting, blah, 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 blah. Bought him with like most of my balance because I didn't have a clue what I was at. And 
he went on. I think he got a goal or two that night and just yeah. rocketed. And I had him from like, I think 60p old money or something, which is like 20 pence. Um, and then obviously I didn't really understand the index enough. So I sold him after like three weeks or something, but still made over 100%. That's kind of what got me hooked. But I think a lot of people, what I'm getting at there is it's not a story to make me sound amazing. It's more that when people first join, they might just go and buy players for that night's fixtures. And if they're doing that with mm. single days, they're going to get so burnt if their player doesn't go and win. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that's a concern or an issue, really. Um, but like you, sometimes it's kind of you get your hand burnt once and then you don't go back. So Yeah. Rio Index, that Dan Jackknife reference there, says, From what I see and read, you're one of the best short-term traders on the platform. And also have some of the best banter tweets and and characters in football index Twitter history. I can't remember the question I was going to ask, but I respect the hustle. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said underneath it, actually, I remember. What's your favorite trading platform, Footstock or Sportstack? Oh, okay. Um, well, actually, the funny thing was, I was going to put some money into um into Footstock, and I think I got twenty quid out, and then I just kind of walked down the road, I found a drain, and I just fucking launched it in there instead. Um, <laughs> you're not a big fan of footstock then <laughs> no I feel a bit bad for saying that actually um, I haven't looked into it enough to kind of to kind of make those comments so I'll retract those um, it's not my cup of tea I'll leave it at that I guess Yeah. Um, yeah. I talked about it with Jay Hall I think a couple of weeks ago I actually do yeah. enjoy it um, I don't know honestly like footstock for me isn't like football index is where I'd say 98% of my money is like it's that highly weighted like 2% is probably over in footstock but I actually do enjoy just entering the free tourneys and stuff and if I get a wee win reinvest in it and just leave it and just let it kind of snowball and hopefully get big one day Um, it's just an extra part of my weekend but yeah fair enough I think I because I actually did put, I think in the off season, I put, you know, a little bit of money into it then. And it just kind of, I think I potentially put some money in it at the wrong time because I didn't really, you know, nothing was going on. There were no, you know, like tournaments like you were saying. So it's just kind of in the off season when everything was dead in effect, I guess. Yeah. I think it depends. Like I've talked to people, I think it was uh football index Scotland. I think I was chatting to him on Twitter the other day and he was sort of saying to him, it's kind of like fantasy football and it just becomes a chore having to enter mm. things and stuff after a while. And that's fair. The one thing I'd say that Footstock could maybe do to make it more, I don't know, engaging or exciting would be to maybe have a total portfolio value type thing because I find it just very hard to track how much you've actually got or how much you're making or how much you're losing. So I just kind of don't really pay attention, just enter the free tournaments and maybe the occasional paid one if I've won some money off a free one and see what happens. But I think yeah. if it was there was maybe a figure on there, people might gone to make it bigger. But anyway, um, I digress. But that's my experience <laughs> on it. We move on to Mort's. For both of us to discuss, please. At what point do keepers bottom out, or what what point do keepers and the bottom end of the index become value again, or are they the forgotten men now as PB is taken over? Side note: Looking forward to this one. Hmm. Um, personally. I just don't really see the value in keepers collectively. Um, I think individually in certain certain circumstances they can be valuable. Um, 
just like off the top of my head, I think De Gea, you know, when the whole Madrid saga was going on a couple of years back, he would probably have been valuable. Um, and then you had kind of instances with what, like Alisson, when he first joined, first joined um, Liverpool, he probably would have been valuable. Um, but I think if you look across kind of like Europe at the big clubs, I mean, Chelsea, they've got what, Kepa, City have got Edison, Liverpool, Alisson, Barca, Testega, and so on and so on. I think all the big clubs are kind of set for keepers now. Uh, and then in terms of performance, like, I just don't think it's exciting where they're, I don't think you could give them their own category where it's just keepers. I don't think you could do that because then you're suddenly coming down to, you know, like the Champions Champions League final, you've got one keeper or another keeper. It's not, you know, eight defenders that you're choosing between for the performance dividend. So I don't think it makes sense to FI from a commission perspective to pay out on keepers like that. Um, so for me, I, I don't think they'll ever have their kind of like individual category, which is the only instance in which I can see them being valuable personally. Do you think, right, because like football index, right, and I look at this and I'm kind of like, oh, you can't really do that because of this and that. But look, they can do whatever they want. What they're doing is unprecedented. They are the pioneers of this. Like, could they not just turn around and say, this is just something I thought of. Could they not turn around and say, on gold days or silver days, there will be a separate goalkeeper payout of this amount, but it doesn't exist on single days or something like that. Do you know? Um, I like that. I don't really care yeah. if they do this or not because I don't really, I don't hold keepers. I don't actually care, mm. but I'm just thinking of a way to stimulate another area of the market that's dead to them at the minute, really. I do like that. I think the only problem with that is it's already a very complicated product. Uh, yeah, that's fair. In terms of understanding, I think you then get in the problems of you know, people potentially not understanding that those payouts are just on those days and then complaints about single days where, you know, they hold them and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, really, because like you said, at the moment, they are just a dead market, really. You might get the occasional winner, but you're going to need to have, you know, basically what a keeper playing for a really poor team who has so many shots against him, makes so many saves, etc., to win and it's just not going to happen very often I doubt yeah I think Ben Foster actually won last night did he I didn't see that the defender Um, I did hear he had a good game so yeah I could be wrong but I think he might have won at least whenever I looked late enough in the day he was top but maybe he got beat in the end but um yeah I don't know there has to be something creative they can do but again what I wasn't taking into account was the complication of the product and I think that's a very valid point um, because I think it would be nice if they had like a minimum base score for a keeper to get the dividend or something like if they said if they don't score 150 or 170 they can't win it or on silver days they can get paid in gold days but not this days or any other sort of thing to limit it but then you're right that's just making it too complicated so I don't know Yeah, I mean I guess you could say that you know, on any given match day, if a keeper scores above X score, maybe 250 or whatever, then you could say that they get a payout of 1p a future or something like that. But, you know, then you just do that across the board. Does it actually stimulate trading in them? Probably mm. not. Yeah. I don't know. Keepers are a weird one. And that's probably why FI are kind of steering clear to an extent because they haven't a clue what to do themselves. <laughs> yeah. uh, FI Gardeners asked, what is your view on FI tipsters? Are they good for the community or only um, ever doing it for their own gain? 
tricky one. I think ultimately anyone that says they're not here to make money for themselves is a liar. Um, because that's what we're all here for at the end of the day. We're all here to make money. Um, but I do think there's certain kind of, like I touched on it earlier in terms of certain tipsters that kind of blindly leave out, well, deliberately lead out sort of all the facts and things which I think can lead to others making an informed opinion, um, which I don't think is good. Um, but in general, I think it depends on the tipster, really, um, and as to how they do it. Because I do think some of them kind of stimulate stimulate trading for one, stimulate topic and discussion for another and engagement um and you do see good good tips come out of quite a lot of people quite regularly so it's tricky I, it just needs to be done in the right way but who's to say what the right way is i i guess is the problem yeah that's all subjective i think there's i think there's probably a bit of both in it i think they're good for beginners maybe at times mm. um as long as they're given a legit tip and not just blind pumping but i think like kind of the community are very good at calling out people who just post something that has zero legs to it and is bullshit um yeah i think the problem is though is that it's almost i won't i won't mention any names but you almost get a a self-fulfilling prophecy where yeah a, a tipster starts out they have a few good ones in a row and then almost any player that they post about just goes up by 10p 20p or whatever and then everyone goes, oh, you know, they're a great tipster, but are they really, or are people just piling in on the basis of they know that others are going to buy anyway? Yeah, if people got alerts um, set on their Twitter account. And yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's at the point where it becomes a bit dodgy almost. Yeah, it's a really hard one to like work out or like legislate for or actually work out if they're a good tipster, that is. It's I don't have a clue what to make of that, to be honest with you, the kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, I don't know how you would begin to realise if that is just people piling in or if it's because they've been highlighted a gem. And mm. But I think a lot of people just blindly pile in, especially beginners, maybe. Yeah. But then could you say that's any different to a big account kind of doing what I would call like a, a subtle pump um, where they kind of, you know, mention a player and kind of give their view or say that they've brought loads of them or they're going to buy more kind of thing. Is that, is that too different? I don't know if it is really. Yeah. It's a weird one. And the thing with pumping is anytime anyone mentions a player covered this a while ago, when I kind of stole it from, it was a fig and PB man we're talking just cause I thought right. it really hit home. And I was like, yeah, that, that is 100% what happens. Like no one mentions a player unless they legitimately have got everything they ever plan on holding in that player. So yeah. this, oh, I'm topping yeah. up at the minute. I don't buy it. <laughs> no, it's totally bullshit. It's bullshit. And I mean, if you're telling people you're topping up, you're talking shite. <laughs> like, yeah. You're not topping up. You wouldn't be telling them you're topping up because then they're going to top up and yeah. push the price up on you. And then I love the ones where you see like, oh, X player is such good value. And then you're like, oh, are they really? Well, why haven't you brought any then? <laughs> why are you telling me? The- <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you hold him at two pounds cheaper than he currently is, so yeah. he's actually value now. We'll buy a few more. Yeah. Now, like whenever I first started out, I think it was even before, like pre-podcast. Um, I was sort of occasionally I would put up players, and I'd kind of be like, "Look," and don't get me wrong, I'd probably bought some. There was a few of them that I hadn't genuinely bought any, and and it was more of a, yeah. I've spotted this guy. What do you think? Um, which is, and do you know what, when you look at it. 
it's probably definitely a pump but i can honestly hand on heart tell you that at least like three quarters of the time i really wasn't sure and there was a few of them i didn't end up buying at all um Mm. like i put one up i think sort of saying like this was back in maybe april or something sort of saying i think some of United's big lads could uh, show great value at the minute. The likes of Marshall's out of favour. Um, Lukaku would probably be going this summer. There'll be a bit of media around that. And Sanchez will probably be going as well. There'll be a bit of media there. And I think it was Yavi or someone come back and basically said to me why Sanchez was a terrible idea. Um, and I didn't buy him. And he was like 125 at the time. And that's what he's actually sitting at now. Because I was looking at him again for maybe an injury kind of trade. Um, but do you know, I didn't end up buying him when maybe I would have, and I don't know. It's a weird one. I think it's very hard to know what people's true intentions are, but I think generally if people aren't phrasing it in a questiony type sense and they're putting it out there as, this is great value, or I am topping yeah. up, they're probably full of shite. Yeah, I think as long as they're open kind of debate about it, then I don't mind it too much. Um, you know, unless it's just total, like, you know, you've seen some of the, some of the pumps where someone mentions a player and you find out that they've got them in the cell queue at the same time that they're pumping them. That's just, that's scummy behaviour. I know, I know. I mean, it's, I'm trying to think here. I assume you're referencing, is it FI Tipster, was it, who did that? Yeah, one amongst many, yeah. Was it? One amongst many. I'm not trying to target him. Like, I talked to Chris on the podcast. He's a sound guy. Um, I actually can't really remember the reason for that and all, but like, why he'd said that or why that happened i really can't remember but yeah he got caught off he got caught out there big time um i think he had some sort of excuse i can't remember if it was legit or not but it's one of those i think if you're putting yourself out there as a tipster you have to be open to getting ruthlessly criticized and called out if you mess up yeah i think you know yeah and i think you've got to be open to that as well really know that you're gonna take some flack for it really um but yeah, I think you know the other thing is is that pretty much every tipster in the FI market for the last six months, year, will look like a genius because you can say, you know, six months ago I tipped this player, they've risen by forty p. Okay, they've risen by forty p. You know, great, well done. But equally, the market's probably doubled in size in that time. So, is your tip good in comparison to market growth? Is probably the question you need to ask yourself as to whether it's a good tip or not. Someone should go and do that, you know. Someone should actually take, do you know some people have a strange amount of time to create threads or articles, <laughs> but someone should go and, like, pick a couple of tipsters and go through, and don't pick select ones. Pick, like, a batch of 15 from three or four months ago and then mm. see how they actually did against market growth. Yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting for sure. To see if they actually did do well or if they were just riding the market. Yeah. Anyway, um, went down a bit of a hole there. We'll move on. Um, index go mesh. What are your what's your strategy or tips for selling? I'm sure it varies player to player, but is there any principles you tend to stick to? Do you usually have a target in mind when you buy? Okay, interesting. Um for me, it might sound counterintuitive, but I always try and sell on the way up. Um, and by that, I mean try and sell to market when there's still demand for that player. Yeah. Um, as opposed to almost leaving it or trying to get too greedy and 
getting out right at the top and then sometimes you might miss that opportunity and then you have to kind of potentially even instant sell on the way down um so i mean there's no specifics but yeah i'd always try and sell on the way up when there's still demand yeah i don't even know what i do i think i just kind of wing it a bit which is wrong maybe of me there's a few that have timed really well at the top but i think the issue is that a lot of the players i buy i genuinely like to hold for dividends and things as well so like i'm not really interested in selling them yet yeah i I mean it depends on what your strategy is doesn't it really yeah Um, i mean i play with quite a small pot so i kind of like to move my money around fairly regularly so if i see i might hold a player at say a pound and i might think that they're going to go to one pound ten within the next two weeks but if i see another player that i think is going to go up say 20p in the next two weeks then my money's coming out of that player that i hold and into the one that i think is going to go up 20p instead Mm. would you ever instant sell to make that happen i would if i thought the commission would be outweighed on the profit yeah yeah because a lot of people really do steer clear of instant selling these days um i suppose they always have there's a bit of a taboo about it it's almost like you're conceding defeat. Um, but I think it's a tool that's there to be utilised and I do use it. Like, Yeah, definitely. I think it's almost underutilised by some people. If, um, you know, if you see an opportunity in the market and it needs you to instant sell to free up some funds, then if that potential profit is going to outweigh the commission, then you should do it straight away, in my opinion. But... Yeah, I was surprised because there was a while there and... Um... Like where a lot of the spreads seem to be huge, um, and maybe a lot of them still are. But I just looked there last night or two nights ago at Chiro Mobley's. Um, I'll just look at it here now. His is currently his set market price is currently one seventy seven, and you can instant sell them for one seventy two. Like that's, that's a really small spread. I thought compared, like I expected mm. when I looked at that for it to be like one sixty one or something. So like mm. I would have no hesitation if things changed and I wanted to get rid of him. Um, I think I'm still holding him for IPDs. I got, or maybe I think it's coming towards the end of that, to be honest with you. I'll probably be getting rid of him very soon. But I wouldn't hesitate to hit that button to save myself waiting three days to sell them if I feel I could make up that five pence per future elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. When there's something. I think that's the good thing to see. But I wonder, was that... I don't know how closely you've kind of monitored him, but was that spread kind of exaggerated at any time when they got knocked out of Europe in midweek or not. You see, I thought that, but then I thought it still would have been slightly exaggerated and bigger. I mean, it's that's mm. relatively short term. That was last night I checked, or yesterday. Yeah. So, I mean, they only got knocked out on, what, Thursday night? Mm. So it was only Friday. Yeah. Maybe in the hours following it, I don't know. But within 24 hours, it was certainly 172 to 177. I, I do think they're, they're better at kind of adjusting the spreads now than they used to be because they almost use, like, they say it's an automated system. Personally, I don't think it is in terms of spreads. I think it's manual. Um, and they used to kind of like adjust some of them and then they'd leave them on for like a month, two months, three months. Um, but now you don't really see that happen so much. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah, they seem to be a bit more fluid, which is great. Um, let me see if we cover all parts of that question. Do you have a target in mind when you buy? In terms of what? Sorry, I haven't got a question in front of me. A target for? Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, leading on from Index Gomesh, he was sort of asking like, 
like when you buy a player do you have a target percentage you want to hit before you sell or do you just play it by ear i just completely buy it um you know you, you might buy a player kind of with the intention or with the thought that they're gonna you know do 10 percent, 20 percent, or something but equally like i said earlier if i might still think that about a player but if i see a different player that i think has the ability to do more than that or outperform that then that kind of thought process goes out the window when i sell to buy the other player yeah. i guess but it doesn't mean that i won't then go back and revisit that initial player yeah so playing it by ear that's kind of what i do i think a lot of people because mm. i think i had fi manager in the podcast probably like 15 episodes ago i was chatting to him and he has very strict targets and was sort of the question i posed to him was like okay but what if you hit your target but you still see another 50 percent there mm. I forget what he actually said to me now. There's probably no point in me bringing that up. I forget if he said he would bend or he wouldn't. Football <laughs> okay. manager, let me know if you're listening. Um, I forget if you said you would bend or if you're very, very strict at hitting targets and selling. Mm. But um, we move on. John Renwick uh, said this will be, without doubt, his favorite High Wide and Handsome podcast. Ask you what your long-term FI strategy is. I suppose that's sort of saying, have you a goal in mind or have you a, a way to get out of it? Or First off, I hope... You know, we don't let John down as much as I let my girlfriend down in bed. Um, <laughs> but um, just in terms of long-term strategy, um, it, mine's not that long-term, really. My end goal is to take the money that I've made and, and buy a house. So, you know, I think everyone should have kind of like a long-term, long-term goal or ambition for the money that they make from this. And I think most people do, to be fair. So, do you think you could see yourself if you had the money for a house to withdraw it all and just have nothing left in football index or would that be like a massive void in your life um thing is i i have done that before um so i I basically planned to buy kind of when brexit was all sorted out um which is funny because it's obviously (laughs) um but you know I, i took every penny out of fi that i had really um and then come Come February of this year, I put, I think I put about two grand back in, um, and I've since taken that two grand back out, and now I'm left with you know five or six grand, I think, of of profit that I'm now playing with. Um, well, that's nice. You know, it's nice yeah. to be riding risk free essentially. Um, but then the other side to look at that is yeah. that it is kind of your money, and you are risking it. It's not just even though it is profit, yeah. it's still money that could be sitting in your bank account. I don't really think there's any. You know, such thing as risk free money really it's you know ultimately yeah. still money that's got you know you can lose it's all it's all psychological really yeah. tc says fpl must be foaming at the mouth now dividends have increased what advice would you give him to help just to help him just adapt in like you know the kind of capitally small letter right? <laughs> and avoid becoming the dinosaur he so badly despises on a serious note how do you see the market evolving over the next six months uh, youth to return we focus on the serious note for now because we're going to get into the twitter bit at the end yeah um i'm not bore the ears off people who don't care about twitter yeah so in terms of the market over the next six months yeah on a serious note how do you see the market evolving over the next six months youth to return question mark i i i think we talked about it earlier really in terms of you know when any one group of players is made more valuable by fi than initially the money flows to them yeah um, but like I said earlier, I, you know, money is constantly entering the market. I think all of the players will gradually kind of, of move up. So that's my view on the next six months is that 
you know, the market will just evolve in, in that respect in terms of, you know, the best PV values where PV has been increased will, will rise um, and continue to. Um, but I think the market as a whole over the next six months will will benefit anyway. So. Do you think youth players will make a bit of a, a return? I think the right ones will, yeah. Um, my view on them was that, I mean, you had some players like, again, I won't go into names or anything, but say a, a player who might play as a striker for one club and then because they're, they were under 20 years old or something, they say reach £3. And then you're like, okay, but the starting striker for that same club that they're at is £1.50. Why are they £1.50 more expensive than that starting striker that they're hoping to one day emulate? Um, yeah. And you never really got an answer from that when you asked that question. It was kind of just like, you know, well, ride the wave, kind of go with the flow. And it's like, yeah, you can only do that for so long. Um, but I think the good value youth players will will do well i think yeah the index game just released like a an ipo kind of scouting tool almost okay i think it's i don't know if you use index game do you no i have heard really good things so i just to be fair i don't really commit that much time to the index anymore um yeah my job well, intensive so i kind of just you know log on here and there have a you know shoot the shit with some people and yeah um, well anyway index gain if you're listening you'd want to reach out and make me an affiliate very soon because I keep plugging you and it's going to stop <laughs> I'm telling you but anyway I'll plug them anyway because I do use them and I think they're great but they've just got a new tool I think which I think it takes all their data from their the current domestic leagues they're playing in okay. and produces a PB score oh nice for that so you can see who is outside the top 5 leagues and what PB scores they're shooting in their leagues Okay. Yeah, that is really someone. Good. It's really, really good, um, yeah. and it shows how people. I think like Fatty showed up as like having absolute. Well, I know he is in a PB league, right? Someone mentioned him. I'll ignore that. I think maybe I misinterpreted the comment now, just in hindsight. But there's like certain players that are kind of like you know really, really hot prospects who you look at their PB scores and they're terrible, and then there's people who are completely under the radar mm. who are averaging one sixty and stuff. So it's like, mm. well, could they bring it to a bigger league? Is always the question. But it's a good tool, um. I think they only released it a couple of days ago. Yeah, I mean that's good because the issue with IPOs beforehand was always almost like buying blind, I guess. Um, yeah, and that could lead to a lot of people kind of twisting data about them or whatever. But if Index Game made that readily available, then that's that's brilliant in my opinion because it kind of gives you you're almost able to interpret their value before they enter the market. Yeah, I think it'll change a good bit about IPOs and who actually has the most value in them. Mm, yeah, 100%. It won't all be based off hype, which is probably healthier. Um, but let me see who's next. Barry Dardis, this is something you might know much about and I should have looked into, but didn't really. Um, Barry Dardis says, exchange rate effect on Irish traders when withdrawing, especially in a volatile period such as Brexit. Very little spoken about it. Yeah, I don't know if it's possible for FI to do it being open here but if we were able to deposit and withdraw in euros it would be amazing i don't know how that it would work or if it's possible but um okay. i know whenever i deposit i have to pay like charges to convert from euro to pounds and then whenever you withdraw you have to pay it the other way so you're losing commission both ways are you um, paying that to fi or to your bank i don't actually know it's been quite a while from i put money in yeah. I normally just went and deposit directly from the card, 
deposit 20 quid. Maybe like using something like Revolut might help. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, like Revolut or Monzo, because then you wouldn't get charged the, I guess, foreign transaction fee. Um, if that's the yeah. case, that's something looking into, I guess. I'd say that would have to help. I'd say Revolut would definitely help with that. Um, Revolut's great. Barry, if you're listening, get Revolut. If you already have it, start using it for your FI transactions. And if anyone wants to join Revolut, let me know. And uh, I think I get a tenner and you get a tenner. I actually don't really use it. I've had it for years because I see I'm from the north of Ireland where it's sterling and I'm down here. But now that I just earn and spend in Euro all the time, I don't really use it. But a lot of my friends here who are in the same boat use it all the time because this is off topic completely, but like you can really, really, you know, if you're out with your mate and they buy a, a pizza or something, you can just like literally, it's almost like through Bluetooth, send them a tenner. It's like hmm. really easy. It senses who's nearby and you can just click their name and send them money. Anyway, yeah, look into Revolut. FI Austria Mags, who will be the next cheat code player to break through? Oof. Cheat code player? What in terms of like a, a Trent Alexander Trent Alexander-Arnold, yeah. I thought of someone who might not be the next cheat code at all, but just to give a bit of an answer, I threw Skov in there just because he puts in loads of crosses. Yeah. I mean, that, in terms yeah. of the Matrix, crosses is is king at the moment. That seems to be what differentiates players. That or set pieces, um, which obviously crosses are involved in. So I, th- I think you're right in that regard. Anyone that kind of potentially doesn't take them for their team now, but you know, comes out of the blue and maybe does. Um, could be the next big riser, I guess. Yeah. Um, I went and looked on index again anyway at the like the top crosses, and Trent obviously mm. has the top crosses across the top five leagues, but there's some other players there who you maybe wouldn't expect. Um, and whenever they get a goal or an assist in the game, they're always going to be in, in and around it. But then the other thing is, if you actually look at their historical match data, the thing that scares you with Trent is the sheer amount of crosses he puts in almost every game. Some of these other guys might have mm. 13 crosses in the game and then they've got four in the next and it's just very inconsistent um Mm -hmm. but yeah we move on we've one more serious question and then we're on to twitter drama um (laughs) (laughs) i think it's charlie fi but it's spelled c-h-x-r-l-i-e-f-i have you ever thought of selling up your port you obviously have yeah i have um previously i think back Back into 2018, I think I probably took out probably about 35 grand, um, which was pretty much all profit. Um, like I said, I, I did that with the intention of, of purchasing a house, um, which didn't come to fruition through relationship issues and stuff. Um, but we won't go into that because I don't want to cry. Um, yeah, I fuck it. I, I got I cursed there. I said the F word. I went in on um, Tom Molyneux, who'd be listening. Hello, Tom. It was, I don't know if you listened a couple of weeks ago and he just broke up with his girlfriend and I was sitting there, I don't even know, asking him if he had a girlfriend stuff. Went hard on the relationship side. Yeah. Bit of a counselling session. Yeah. Might have like a, an, like after like a hundred episodes, maybe I'll have like a whole compilation of people who've brought up sad relationship stories. Yeah. A little sub, little sub story kind of compilation. I like that. Yeah. Anyway, RC, that, that's for a different day. Let's keep this upbeat. <laughs> um, other than that, have you have you thought about it since? Yeah, I mean, like I said, um, my ultimate goal is is to buy the house. So I will, when the time comes, sell up my portfolio and kind of not move on from the index. I think I'll always retain an interest, but I've always been able to 
you know, even if I had a thousand pounds in here, I think I'd be pretty confident to be able to make that two thousand pounds within, you know, two, three, four months kind of thing. So I think yeah. I always keep like that kind of money in here. Um, because I enjoy it and I, I enjoy kind of like the conversation that comes from it as well. Yeah. I think the other thing is that you need to like what a lot of people need to realize is that this is a very niche kind of non-transferable skill trading football index. So if anyone is actually a good football index trader and they're outperforming the growth of the market, do you know, it would be a shame not to always have something there and to be, I suppose, chiseling away and making some extra money on the side, unless I suppose it, the fun stops. That's the other side of it. Um, in terms of me for selling up the port, I actually really, really don't want to, but I had to seriously consider it about a week ago and I'm still kind of in that ball in that, in that point, in that area, Mm. in that space, whatever the word is, you might be able to help me Ryan. Um, so I'm getting ACL surgery in a month's time, just over a month and it is like five grand. Um, and my portfolio is worth about six Mm. grand. So I'm decided that I'm going to just get a loan instead. Yeah. But is that the same as getting a loan to gamble? Do you know? It's tough, isn't it? Because technically it's gambling, but then kind of like the performance and everything else of it, it almost makes you think it's not. Exactly. Because I think I can outperform that whatever 7% loan. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't argue and with you. you so I'm kind of like, I can get the 7% loan. Yeah, or I can take all my money out of the football index, mm. and that'll obviously maybe reduce my interest in it and stuff in terms of the podcast mm. going forward. There's a lot of knock on things there, so it's kind of thinking like, mm. I'll just get the loan. The other thing is I'll get reimbursed a substantial amount of it, um, by the HSE in about like four months. But like, mm. yeah, it was a weird one. It made me think. I was kind of like, oh no, I'll obviously just get a loan. And then I was like, wait, there is that the exact same as getting a loan to gamble? It's tough. It is, I guess it's <laughs> we believe in the longevity of the index, I guess. Yeah. So if I you can't do that, then, then don't. If anyone has any thoughts, reach out to me. But um, yeah, that's the closest. This is the kind of the closest I've been to just jacking it all in. I'd still definitely get money back in there at some stage, but I don't know. I just think, like the way my port's set up. And I think like the amount of growth that's, that's in that portfolio and dividend winnings that are in it over the next three or four months yeah. will massively outweigh what I'd pay alone. Mm. that's the thing you could almost imagine that in a year's time that five grand portfolio might be worth 10 and you could take the five grand out and pay off the loan and still have the five grand portfolio at the same time yeah it's a weird one but um yeah for any of you listening who do not like or use twitter goodbye it's been a pleasure (laughs) um thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week we're gonna get into twitter questions and there's only one place to start rc i'm sure you could guess yeah, I'm sure I can. Yeah, there's drama. There's drama. So, Fig, the competitor, because there's so much competition with my podcast that's about 50 times smaller. But anyway, there's only two of us out there. It sounded like KSI and Logan, Logan Paul um, tonight. It's very topical. But anyway, what do you make of genuinely nasty, aggravating accounts who create crazy conspiracy theories? about certain areas of the community that's the first question um furthermore this is the one that got me why do some of the community give said accounts a voice 
considering some of the f- quite frankly disgusting behaviour displayed. That was an indirect... I don't think this is so much of a question for you, RC, but do you want to have a go? <laughs> yeah, um, I think he's gone for you a bit there. Yeah, he's so, went in, hasn't he? He's your mate too. Yeah, he's, he's taking the little kind of chihuahua, chihuahua mask off and a little nibble at your heels there. Um, he did, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did, naughty fig. Um, I think it's good that everyone kind of has a voice and I kind of kind of commend you for inviting anyone and everyone on yours. Um, but equally, I can understand why, and I know exactly who Fig's referring to, why if certain people abuse you and what you're putting your time, effort and money into contributing for the community for free, and, you know, if they abuse you with untruths and stuff, why you would not want them on your podcast. And even more, if you invite them on and then they don't come on and then kind of spin that to their own tune, I can understand why why that would wind you up. So, Oh, are you telling me that GMK has been invited on and didn't go on? Both of, them, both of them have been invited on from what I understand. Oh, oh, oh the plot thickens. Uh, they, uh, yeah, it's it's a very touchy subject, I suppose. But yeah, obviously Figs whipped out as we as we pistol, and he's he's got me in the crosshairs. Um, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna be as transparent about everything as I possibly can. My view on this is okay. There's a few things here we can say. First is Fig, you're having a little pop at me on my post. That's all very well, but I've reached out to you three times about coming on your podcast and about you coming on mine. So if you don't want to talk to me, mano el mano, and want to limit to 160 characters, that's fine by me. But I never post anything negative or having a pop on yours, even though there's plenty of pops I could have. Um, and this is the second time that he's ever corresponded to me on anything, and both have been about giving disgustingly behaviour to count a platform. Okay, now, anyway, we're gonna, this boxing match is going to happen, I'm telling you. Um, why do I give, because this is blatantly about me, some of the community a voice? Okay, first off, I'm going to give whoever a voice who people want to have on the podcast or see on the podcast. Who is disgusting and what is disgusting behavior is subjective. And if I start trying to tell you, like what I think is disgusting is different than what you think is disgusting. So I'm not going to go back and research through a year of tweets from random people to see if I decide that they're disgusting or not. If people are telling me they want to hear from them. And the GMK and FPL episodes are the two most listened to ones I have. People want to hear. And I guarantee you all tuned in. So if I start deciding who I don't want to hear from, then I have an agenda, like people say you do. And I have to differentiate myself from what you do. I'm not trying to carbon copy your show. So this is me going very in on figures, as you could say, but like, I'm trying to be as transparent as I can. Do you know, I'm trying to be a nice guy. I'm trying to have everyone and I'm trying to do what's best for the listener. And is what's best for the listener, me silencing half a community and arguing, uh, or sorry, conflicting points and alternative views, or is it best for the listener to hear both sides and make their own mind up? That's my view. Um, now, if people have been racist, homophobic, sexist, and it's in my my space and I see that, I'm not going to have that person on. But equally, I'm not going to go digging for a year or two years through Twitter to find out who is actually bad and who is actually good. We're grown men here, do you know? 
it isn't the playground. I'm going to talk to men. I'm going to talk to them man to man and see what they have to say. And if I disagree, I'll tell them. Do you know what I mean? I maybe went in a bit of a rant there and went in a bit hard, but bottom line is, Fig, I get what you're saying, but you blatantly have an issue with the way I'm doing it. Come and talk to me about it, man. Come and talk to me, bro. Do you know? I think the thing is as well, I think if you guys did sit down and have like a a podcast, I think I think it would be brilliant. That's the thing. We'd be best mates. I'm best mates with everyone I talk to after an hour and a half, RC. Like the thing is as well with like I've I've now known him for I think he first sent me a message right on because I used to you probably don't believe it, but I used to actually be quite helpful. Um <laughs> you know, I used to be quite kind of good with advice, you know, a lot of DMs and stuff. Now I just twist nips for fun. Um but I remember Fig like back in two thousand sixteen probably sent me a message and he was kinda of like, Oh, you know, I'm looking at signing up to the index and like this bloke hadn't even shaved at this point. But you know, <laughs> now I've, I've got to know he's actually just you know, I've you know, went to his Fig one hundred meet and stuff, so I've met him in person and stuff, and he's just a genuinely lovely bloke. And like you said, you know, if you sat down and had a podcast together, you'd probably bury any issues which probably aren't even issues. Um That's the the, the thing. Sorry, I'll let you go. No, 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 go ahead. I was gonna say, like, look, there are literally no issues. I listen to his podcast every week. I enjoy it. I think he comes across as a really nice guy. I have yeah, no issues. I got a little maybe heated and annoyed there just because it's kind of like Yeah. I think it's I whenever think... I've I've put it out there a few times, I've been told no, and then to have a little snipe on a post of mine. It's like, mate, have a look at have a look at yourself. Like you've got a massive podcast, way bigger than mine. I say nothing but nice things on this podcast about him, and I've plugged him on this podcast multiple times. Anyone listening will stand up to that. Twenty episodes. And then this, it's like, you're serious. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. But I probably should have played this way, Cameron, and I could have played the game better. And I know it's good for me to get on Fig's podcast. It's no joke. Obviously, it's good for me to get on a podcast with so many listeners in the same sort of area. But there's two ways that this sort of thing can be done by the likes of Fig. You support up and coming content producers and you throw out a real helping hand. And in that sort of way, if I ever get an opportunity in the future that I can't take because I have another job that's actually my real big job, this is just a little hobby, and I say no, then I say talk to this guy. But yeah. if you want to make it a don't interact with me, don't follow me, don't ask my questions on your show, never say my name, never do this, don't have me on, that's fine. I really don't care. But whenever this podcast, because I'm going to keep this going, when this inevitably grows and gets bigger, then. It'll matter, do you know? Mm. Anyway, he's, I think you know you see him. You know he supported Edge. He supports Gain. Um, you know Index Game rather, and I I think genuinely he's really good with kind of like other content creators. I th- I think he almost you're almost like the other competitor in terms of like the podcast space. But I think he should view it as like healthy competition as opposed to negative. Um, you know, but maybe mean, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just has a bit of a gripe about the GMK thing, and maybe he doesn't yeah. actually have an issue. Yeah. Um. But anyway, yeah, got a little bit carried away there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this one is gonna go 
crazy on Twitter. God, I can't wait for the like the the spin-offs from this. But anyway, look, bottom line is let's have a chat about a fig. I'm calling you out, mate. Let's have a chat. Um yeah. What else is there? Donald J. Pump. When is Donald getting added to this WhatsApp group? Have a billion dollar port and my very beautiful political views will fit right in. Also a bigly fan of strongman policing tactics and have a unique insight into collusion, which I've never done. <laughs> Don't really get it, but I think he's having a, a pop at the, the Football Index Twitter police, is he? I think he is, yeah. Which, from what I know, is basically everyone on Twitter is apparently a member of the, the FITP, supposedly. Yeah. I don't think I'll be getting an invite anytime soon. No, I think you might have just burn a couple of bridges there. <laughs> I think it did. I think it did. But look, I hope, look, the bottom line is what I want people to realize is, look, I'm just a nice guy out here making a podcast. I want to talk to everyone. And I want to give the viewer the best, the the most wide range of people that can possibly happen. And I mean, like like Joe Rogan talks to people like, is it, what do you call your man? Um, Alex Jones? Hmm. He's freaking crazy. You know, like I tried to do him there. I can't do it. I can actually take him off pretty well, but I'm not going to do it. Um, but like, it's all about talking to crazy people. It's all about talking to sensible people. And it's all about talking to everyone. Mm. Um, anyway, Fig's got in my head here, man. He's got into my head. Yeah, he's got you rattled. He's got me rattled. And then it's all it's all a big ploy. So I mentioned him losing my podcast, and he soaks up my eight hundred listeners. Do you know? <laughs> just drop like a little um, you know, fishing kind of meme on that post now, won't you? Yeah. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But um, yeah. Look, um, invite Donald J. Pump to the group, lads. Index Profit Hunter. Two questions. One: Can you set the record straight? What happened between you and FPL and those DMs? <laughs> and I'll just cross-reference another comment then from FPL himself. The plot thickens. <laughs> On that question, I hope RC doesn't miss anything out like the time he grassed up his Football Index Twitter police group chatmates <laughs> for ripping off and breaking the index with that Neymar flash crash <laughs> blag last summer. Harder to BS if you're in the public domain. And not your toxic group chat, eh? So anyway, we go back to it. What happened in those DMs? Oh well, what happened with FPL, right? So I think the thing is, like initially, I think when I first kind of encountered him on Twitter, I actually thought he was alright. That was the thing, um, and I thought he got a bit of a hard time from from some people. Um, and I think I sent him a message on Twitter, kind of like saying that kind of thing. Um, and then I think the first time I fell out with him was basically him and JMK just went big style at Fig on his podcast. And it was basically like, which is fine. Like if you don't enjoy someone's content, like that's up to you. Um, but their criticism was just like completely unjust. It was all to do with like ethnic minorities and discrimination on the podcast and all this stuff. And then I looked into it and I was like, right, okay, well, Fig's, at this point in 2018, Fig's done 52 episodes of the podcast. He's had 44 different guests on, which is pretty varied. He's had Nigerians on there. He's had ethnic minorities on there. He's had people of all walks and different backgrounds of life. And these guys are kind of, you know, saying that they're just his mates. They're just, you know, posh white boys and stuff. There's no ethnic minorities. It's like, well, no, it's it's actually completely untrue. And I took issue with that, which they obviously didn't like. Um, And anyway, I think what FPL refers to with the, 
Flash Crash and Neymar and all this stuff was there was a point basically where if you bought say like a hundred Neymar, you were basically given like two hundred futures instead of a hundred. Um, and a lot of big kind of index accounts, which I obviously know as a big index player myself, kind of took advantage of. Um, so they loaded their accounts up with like thousands of free futures, basically. Um, FI then eventually took those futures back, but didn't ban anyone, um, which you can kind of question whether that was the right decision by them or not to maybe they should have banned people for it. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's kind of what he refers to then. Um, and then in terms of the rest of the DMs, basically, I had a period where I took a step away from the index. I had a family relative, my dad, basically, um, was significantly unwell for a period of time. And I just, you know, family comes before anything. So I took a step back from the index. And I basically didn't respond to one of his DMs. Um, and anyway, I came back like six weeks later, just to a load of abuse, basically, um, telling me that I was a liar and all of this stuff. And I just sort of, yeah, we just fell out in regards to that because, you know, he was saying I was lying about my, my dad and all of this stuff. And I just, yeah, I just thought, shitty bloke for doing that, really. So that's why why we we fell out, really. So simple as that but these famous dms that apparently i don't want anyone to see i'll be more than happy if he wants to publish them personally because i don't think they paint me in a bad light if anything i think they paint him in a bad light but that's my view on yeah. it yeah yeah it's funny how a bunch of grown men seem to care about things like these not i'm not saying you two in particular it's your two issue but like how other people have interest in this sort of thing yeah. um everyone loves drama though don't they everyone loves drama yeah but I think it's 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 really tough, like because I mean I'd never I didn't even know about that kind of Neymar thing, and I don't know about you and FPL's drama, and I don't know about any of this. And to kind of turn this around from a selfish point of view, I hope it kind of highlights how like new and almost innocent I am in regards to a lot of this. It's not like I'm taking sides or mm. hunting for people who have done mean things it's just like look it's all subjective we're all grown men we're all going to have arguments like i just want to get a wide range of people and i think it's good that even you understand why i had the likes of fpl and gmk on and you obviously have a real gripe there or use of a real sort of friction i just uh, from my point of view basically if you know i've now been on the index twitter for about four years and i've had reason to block i think i've got four people blocked Obviously, FPL and GMK are two of those people. Now, if you turn that round, they've probably blocked what I think I saw GMK say that he's blocked like over 400 accounts. Now, either those 400 people all think you're a dickhead, or, you know, like. <laughs> I see what you're getting at. Not that many people can think you're unreasonable. You can't fall out with that many people if, you know. Apart from if apparently we're all inclusion, four hundred of us together, which is not the case, but you know they can believe what they like, I guess. You see, I think from talking to GMK, right? I think and FPL, I think they both came across really well. Um, yes, yeah, so did I. FPL came across particularly well, yeah. but GMK, um, he came across very well as well. Mm. But I think the difference with GMK is maybe maybe I'm wrong, 
because again, I don't go looking through people's Twitters. I can't see every tweet, yeah. but I think he's a bit more abrasive on Twitter itself. Yeah, and to me, they they could both kind of they could argue with themselves. I just, I just don't get it. Like, you know, the whole point of FI Twitter is to have kind of debate and stuff, but it's almost like they want to be able to say what they want to say, but anything that comes back the other direction isn't kind of allowed. And I don't really, really get that. Either you're full debate, which they say that they are, or you're not. If you're blocking 400 people, then clearly you're not up for debate. So, yeah. I don't know. The thing which, like, right, like GMK, like, I mean, and if he wants to talk about it, reach out to me directly. I mean, I'm not looking to start a fucking war here, like, but I cursed again. I cursed again. Um, But, like, I reached out to him and I asked about him coming on the podcast, and it was yeah, and it was yeah, and it was yeah. And, you know, we had a little bit of a spat with each other about, I think it was you sent someone at Stinky Breath, actually. We had a bit of a spat over that, but it didn't matter. He came on later on. And you know, I chatted to him, and I got on well with him. And to be fair, like he was a bit worried that I might edit out certain things, and I might guide the conversation, or I might try and ambush him and stuff. I did none of that. I published the entirety of the thing. He's very happy that I've talked to him about it since. He's done very well, and we get on very well. But even like a day or two ago, I seen him sort of saying like he'd still be weary of like my. I seen someone. I seen. I seen it somewhere under some post that was on my timeline. It was like. I think it was him and FBL talking about me. And they were both busy saying, yeah, I think it's great, like John's had us on and whatever. But I think, like, even just one of the things that GMK had sort of said, it was kind of like questioning my, I don't know if it was like my, I forget the word. It's like my alliances or like my intentions or like my whatevers. And I was kind of like, look, everything I've done has been transparent. Everything I will do is transparent. I haven't done anything. You need to trust some people. Yeah, and this is another thing I took issue with because it was kind of like, you know, they say that you've got like a a duty to kind of, you know, for Fig to, you know, invite everyone and anyone on. It's like, well, actually, like at the time, this bloke is making a podcast in his mum's bedroom. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not a BBC production. Yeah. You know, you don't, it's, it's not that deep, basically. Um, I just think they read into things too much. Like, you're not going to get on with everyone. And I get that. And, you know, all these things about group chats and stuff. Like, I'm in so many different group chats with so many different people, with so many different strategies. And, like, you don't get on with all of them. Like, and it's basically, it's just a group of lads. And to be honest, most of the conversation, it's just us taking the piss out of each other. Yeah. Twitter, football index, Twitter. What a strange place. But, um, no other. It's been an interesting episode. We've kind of went through like what you cook for dinner. Do you know, we covered Ben's and McGate. A few serious mm-hmm. questions. Maybe went a little harsh on Fig. Um, <laughs> look, <laughs> just to reiterate, Fig, like I know you're a nice guy. I know you're doing your best to enjoy your podcasts, but yeah. Um, like, come and talk to me. Even, even give me a wee message and we'll talk about this. If you if you have opinions like this, talk to me about it. Do you know? I responded to the, the reason I'm kind of being like this as well is because I wrote under busy saying, "Am I the sum of the community who gives set of kinds of voice?" If so, I'd like to talk about this in the podcast. I think I already covered it a week or two actually. He didn't respond, so it's not like he's looking to mm. open convo with me about it. Mm. So my only yeah. option is to go in hard and hope he retaliates. Yeah, I'm sure he will. The one thing I can say about him is he can give and take it because. He's one of the few blokes I know I can say to him, 
you know, something stupid like, oh, your mum's got delectable nipples or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) He'll just fire back. So I think you'll be all right. I think he'll he'll come back on it. Yeah. He's probably going to call me a fat bastard or something, isn't he? Oh, I need to... (laughs) One second, I need to... (laughs) There we go. And that's why, do you know what? I was afraid of being called chubby the the whole episode. That's why I haven't referenced your height, but someone else has. The second part of Index Profit Hunter's question was, with you being five foot three, how tall would a female have to be to be considered too tall for the RC smash and dash? <laughs> smash and bash. Um, well, the thing is, like, I've always said to them, but I'm actually five foot nine. Um, and like a, is, a generous five foot nine. Should we say. So you're probably like five, eight and a quarter. It's like I say I'm six foot two when I'm really like five, one and a bit. <laughs> or sorry, I'm six six one and a bit, and I say I'm six two. Yeah. Um, but if you pull up in a pair of heelys, you can add on, you know, a couple of inches to that. So, <laughs> so you'll be wearing like high heels to the the meetups. Oh, this is the thing. I turned up to you know I got so much shit off all of these guys like Fig and everyone. I turned up to Fig one hundred and Fig's like the fucking same height as me. Fifteen <laughs> years about being you know five foot eight or whatever. And you turn up and you're actually not the smallest bloke in the room. I mean, I did stand on the podium for pretty much half the night just to make myself look a bit taller. <laughs> Stand up beside like tall Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that bloke is tall. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. Um, but yeah, so now I can call Fig a midget as well, just to go in even harder. That's what you're telling me. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of other stuff you can go in and then above and beyond that, I'd say. Yeah. But. I'd say at this rate, I'll definitely be in the WhatsApp groups in no time. But um, I'd say, look, we'll try, we'll try and wrap it up there. I'd say, if you have anything else you want to talk about before we go around and you feel that we've missed out on or that I didn't ask you? No, I think we've touched on everything. It's funny. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. We kind of covered some weird stuff, but look, I think it was a, I think there should be some nice sound bites out of that one. And I hope I hope people like it. I'd say Twitter will have a bit of fun with it. But yeah, where can people find you? Um, just literally on, on Football, Football Index Twitter. So just uh, my username's Football Index RC. Um, you know, if you want an invite into the infamous FITP, drop me a message and, <laughs> and you can be, become part of the conspiracy. I think uh, my interview process would be slightly biased now. I don't think I'd get the job no matter what. What, for the, uh, the FITP? Yeah, I think the I think the general would probably just throw my application in the bin. But no, some of the stuff I said to Fig, I think you'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, look, we, we leave it there anyway, RC. Um, look, it was nice chatting there anyway, and maybe chat, chat to you again in the future. Yeah, and you, mate, take care. Cheers, mate. Okay, so in terms of the swearing for charity, uh, I'll very quickly give you a roundup. If you've been in it from the start, I've sworn 30 times. If you're in it for F words, I'm going to call it 20, even though I haven't actually counted. And who else? Ross FI8, Quaid FI Gardner. I'm going to claim that two quid, mate, and you'd best round it up because it's charity. Um, there's a couple of other people. Barry Dardis jumped in this week. Fair play to you. He's a fiver, I suppose, for now. And someone else jumped in this week who wants to remain anonymous. And there's another one, Clive Son of Ivor, who's going to back pay the full thing. So fair play to you, lads. Thanks for getting involved, and we'll, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>